You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 284. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the show. We are super happy to be here, and we have some very fun stuff to talk about on this episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely and wonderful wife, Anitra. That's me. And here we are. It is fact time on the Family Gamers Podcast. That's how we start off the show. A fact about our episode number two. 84. Are you ready? Sure. So I mentioned this like maybe last week or the week before. Sometimes the facts just come and they're easy. Sometimes they're really hard. Sometimes I have to do math to get a good fact. I was trying to do math to help you get a good fact and I could not get there this time. You you understand and appreciate how hard it actually is. So this week's fact is kind of inspired by our episode 279 fact, kind of. 279 was the number of people needed to actually turn a piece of legislation into a law, right? 218 representatives, 60 senators, uh, and one president to do that. Well, this is something like that. It's how many things are needed to constitute something. In the National Football League, it takes 284 games to figure out who's going to be in the Super Bowl. Wow. So there are 272 regular season games. There's 32 teams, and there's now 17 weeks in the season. So you have to have two teams in a game. So 16 16 times times 17 is 272. Then there are 12 playoff games. There's six wild card games. Then from there, you get four divisional playoff games, two conference championship games, for a total of 284 games to just figure out which two teams play in the Super Bowl. It's a lot of games. It's a lot of games, but also people like to watch football. Uh, that's true. So that is my fact for this week, 284. I do realize that like maybe it could have been a better fact for next week at 285 because I could have said there would be 285 right. games played. Right. But let's just put it like this. Odds are pretty good that there will be an easier to find fact for 285 than where (laughs) I was this week with 284. So that's where we are. I hope this was an interesting one for you. I mean, obviously, football ended a couple of weeks ago with the Bengals losing. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. We are here to talk about board games. And we're here to talk about our sponsor, First Move Financial. How do you know if you're ready to retire? I feel like I'm ready to retire. You're not ready to retire. (laughs) There is the financial aspect, but don't forget about the emotional and physical as well. What would you do with your time if you were retired? Don't answer that, Andrew. I think I know your answer, but we're asking the listeners. Is it story time? (laughs) I mean, how many rounds of golf can you really play in a week? How are you going to stay physically fit? One way to see if you're ready for retirement and start to answer these and other questions is to take a practice retirement where you use vacation to stay at home. You're not doing anything special, just not working for a little while, which is definitely different from working from home. See if you can find a rhythm that you like in your day, but also realize that you need something to do. That could be picking up a new hobby or volunteering, but you need something to do because it's hard to just sit still. 
Make sure your practice retirement vacation is long enough that you have time to get bored with just sitting around and gasp even with playing board games. Be ready, though. Retirement often tests even the best marriages. As couples spend more free time together, there's often also more friction, which you've likely experienced a little of if you're both working from home. Thank you, COVID. (laughs) COVID is the practice (laughs) retirement, but with work. If you want help reviewing the financial part of preparing for retirement, set up a time to talk to First Move by going to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers today. Thanks so much to First Move Financial for sponsoring this episode of the show. So, Anitra, what are we going to talk about this week? We are going to talk about five fantastic family filler games. This was inspired by a post in the community about a week ago from Jimmy Black, whose wife informed him that they didn't have enough quick weeknight games. Mm -hmm. He got tons of great suggestions on the community. We're not exactly following that, but it inspired us to talk about some of our favorite filler games, games that are half an hour or less, very little setup teardown, and really approachable for families to play. Yep, And generally speaking, we tried to find games that didn't have a lot of pieces necessarily or something that's portable or something like that. So all of these games have some aspect of that part of it. So it's not just this is a 30 minute filler game, but there's also some other components to it that make it easier for a family. Make it easier for a family. Some of these would make great breakfast table games if that time of the day is less frantic and crazy than, say, dinner time. Mm-hmm. All right. But before we get into that. We are going to talk about what we've been playing, and since this is our first podcast in March, we're going to talk about our monthly report for February. Mm -hmm. Can I do story time to explain (laughs) why my monthly report is so lame? I mean, we kind of front-loaded the month of February with lots of games in Georgia. That's um, true. Mostly single plays. Yeah. And then kind of petered out towards the end of February. So my story time is that I have taken up making maple syrup. <laughs> and um, last year was a largely a failure it was a year. Bust. Yeah. We collected we learned. four gallons of maple sap and boiled it and overboiled it. And it was a disaster. So I increased our tap count this year by a little bit. And I expected to increase our sap count by a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we were thinking maybe 10 gallons, maybe 12. Well, I went from four gallons of sap in the season to seven gallons a day. Yeah, we are getting way more than we bargained for. Oh, yeah, big time. This is a pretty sweet hobby, though. Uh, Boo. (laughs) It is pretty sweet. I like the maple syrup. Mm, It's delicious. Some of it has been like a mid-amber, but it's definitely like a heavy maple flavor. Like there's the light amber, really sweet stuff. And then there's I am maple syrup. And we're getting the kind of the maple, which is great. It's delicious. For anybody who is curious, Andrew could probably talk about this all day. It is. Yep, I'm going to stop. I'm done. I'm I'm, going to stop talking about it. But if you have questions, you can send me a message. Probably the easiest thing is Andrew at thefamilygamers.com, or you can find me on Facebook. I have the Family Gamers logo in my Facebook profile picture. It shouldn't be that hard to figure out who I am, even though I have a very common name. And there are multiple Andrew Smiths and multiple Andrew J. Smiths in the board game community on Facebook. But I digress. The only thing I will say about this maple syrup hobby, and I realize this today, is that it is the perfect hobby for me because it is 110% for one month out of the year. Yes. And then it's over. And I only have two speeds, as you may or may not know. 
I mean, you know. I know. The <laughs> listeners may not know. Uh, so um, that's been just a ton of fun. And if you have questions, feel free to reach out or maybe share your maple syrup creating stories if that's a thing that you do. Or maybe other syruping. Like if you don't live in the Northeast US or Southern Canada, maybe not maple trees, but you can make syrup from yeah, other trees that pecan syrup or pecan syrup or whatever anyway hickory the, 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 all anyway, kinds yeah. of things you could tap basically Birch. anything every tree bleeds uh anyway um so my monthly report for the month of february i have 24 plays of 20 games so that whole thing okay. with like staying on par with one game a day definitely didn't Did do that happen. Uh, but it was february so i was only off by four yeah which is not that bad my h index was an abysmal two on the month I mean, with 24 plays of 20 games, that adds up. I know. Mall Peak, Race to Stupid, Skull King, and Skulls of Sedlec were my most played games. All right. And we've talked about most of those games uh, in recent memory. Yes, we have. Mm -hmm. So my February had 46 plays of 31 unique games. My H index is three, and all of the games that I played at least three times were Mall Peak, no surprise, A Gentle Rain, because you got me my own copy of it, so I've played it... I sure did. ...several times now. King Domino Origins, which we reviewed recently. Love Letter Batman, which we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. And Skulls of Sedlec. Finally, our 10 by 10 update. We mentioned we were doing a 10 by 10 a family 10 by 10 We have played 15 total games across the nine games that we've figured out. We haven't even figured out the 10th game to put on our 10 by 10 we, yet. We've been leaving that option open. Yeah, I, we'll figure something out at some point relatively soon. But that means that we have, like... Eight and a half months to do 85 games. So, I mean, that's the whole 10 game a month pace. I, that's the pace we're going for. I don't know if we're going to maintain it. We'll see. We'll have to power through. Okay. With all of that said, so that's our updates. Let us, uh, let's see. Let's talk about the games that we've been playing. Then we'll welcome our new members, take a break, and then we'll get into our back talk. We have some back talk. Yes. Which we're very excited about. So, Anitra, what have we been playing? We've been playing Cuphead Fast Rolling Dice Game. That game rules. I love it. I think that it is the snap review for this episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we need to talk about it that much. But it's a lot of fun. If you've watched the Netflix show or played the video game, you definitely want to check it out. Yeah. Great, great fun. We love it, but it's not for everybody. And that's okay. Right. Absolutely. Uh, next on the list is a game that I played, which was Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. We finally got back to it. My... Uh, board game compatriots for Pandemic Legacy are skiers, so it has been very hard over the last couple of months to get them to stop skiing long enough <laughs> to play a board game with me. Well, and it's funny because it's like, well, we couldn't play in the summer because one of the guys was gone, mm. and then you couldn't play in January and February, really, because they were skiing every weekend. I don't know, you got March, April, and May to get through the rest of the game, right? Maybe June? <laughs> I guess. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I have been working through a graphic novel adventure uh, with the kids. This is Sherlock Holmes Baker Street Irregulars. Yeah, I played this with you guys. Yeah, you played a little mm-hmm. bit too. So this is from Van Ryder Games. It is a up to four player graphic novel adventure. Really neat concept of having four different books, but at least in theory, any one book you can work through and solve the mysteries. But it gets easier when you have more players who can collaborate and work together i pretty much would only recommend it at four players unless you like really really hard puzzles 
Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised at just how difficult some of the stuff was in this game. And we do exits and unlocks and stuff like that. And we have a lot of the same kind of logical things that we need to piece together. But some of the stuff in this game was really hard. Yeah, it was. So, But it's still fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying it's not fun. It just was a little bit more difficult than I was expecting. Yeah. Next on the list, we have Potion Explosion. Yeah. So our seven-year-old was like, hey, why is this out? And can we play it? And I told him that he had played it before and he did not remember it all. I think he was four years old the last time he played. That's funny. I assume he's better at it now. Uh, Yeah. He enjoyed it. Trying to get him to work through the strategy involved of look for combos in pulling the marble Mm -hmm. so you can do the explosions and get multiple kinds. Sure, 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 sure. Um, And then pick new potions based on what you think you can get marbles for. Mm -hmm. But... He enjoyed it, and that's the important part. As we've been talking about for years with Potion Explosion, it's just a fun game, whether you play it optimally or not. How is our, because this was a game that you played, how is our little dispenser doing? It's doing just fine. Really? Yes. Really? I I mean, I did fortify it with, you know, a metric ton of glue the last time we took it it out. (laughs) It is fine. It It is not falling apart. It's fine. The tolerances for like the holes and where the marbles come out are less great as time goes on but the dispenser itself is holding together with no problem fantastic all right next on the list is a game that i mean this it was this was great this execution was tremendous we took my mom out to dinner for her birthday Mm -hmm. so we had six people wrapped around the table at this restaurant it was just nuts so and so we had a little bit of extra time waiting for our food so we pulled out get the MacGuffin. i love how simple it is to get started with this, even with people who have never played before, be like, look, the point of this game is to be the last one with cards. It was very simple. <laughs> My mom had never played before, and it was pretty much if you have a thing, you play it. If it's an item, you put it in front of you. If it's an action, you do whatever it, it goes in the Yeah, and, and then it. it goes in the that's central card pile. Yep. Very simple. I really do love how simple that is and what a great restaurant game it makes. It doesn't take up a lot of space, and it is almost infinitely extendable the mm-hmm. base game alone you can play as few as two players or as many as 12 i think mm-hmm. it's all of the things i like about flux and none of the things that i don't <laughs> uh at the restaurant we also played a little bit more batman love letter i think that also makes an excellent restaurant game especially because rounds are very short and so you can just stop whenever the food gets there yeah i mean you're supposed to win like six of the batman five, or, five or something like that some which amount is- that's Which a lot. Is a lot. I mean, it it really does stretch the game out a little bit too much. I think so. Yeah. You know, just house rule that to you know three or two yeah. or whatever. So next on the list is Land versus Sea. I'm actually kind of jealous that you got this out again. Yeah, I really really like it. As we talked about in our written review from a couple of weeks ago, it takes the legacy of tile laying games and runs a little bit further with it, adding all kinds of interesting scoring mechanisms Mm -hmm. into it. You made me take it out of the review, but I'm going to say it on the show. So there are games that establish genres, and then the genre moves past that game. So for me, Machi Koro, in in my book, is a game that established the genre, but at this point, games like Space Space or the Valeria Card Kingdom's games have kind of moved past it and Mm -hmm. more or less in my opinion, rendered the game obsolete, rendered Machikoro obsolete. Mm-hmm. Like it ju- I think it just expands on it to the yeah. point where you really don't need to have Machikoro anymore. And I feel like Land vs. Sea kind of does that with a game like Carcassonne. And I know there's a million expansions to Carcassonne, and that's fine. But Land vs. Sea in a compact package does everything 
from my perspective, that Carcassonne does pretty much, but it does it a little bit more succinctly and a little bit, it's a little bit more streamlined and there's kind of almost more going on, you know, on, on the board. And I, I really like it a lot. I'm mostly with you, except that Land versus Sea is really good at two and three players and at four players, you get this weird team thing going on. Um, so that's great for some situations and mm-hmm. not for others. Four-player Carcassonne is just all-out land grab. Yeah, ways. I mean, you know, the more I think about it, I think of how at one point we had Isle of Sky, mm-hmm. which we had also kind of labeled as a Carcassonne killer. And I think that that's probably also kind of true, but it's a lot more of a direct analog to Carcassonne than Land vs. Sea is. It is theme-wise, but remember in Isle of Sky, you're building your own little tableau island that you're not actually sharing with anybody, and that's one of the things that differentiates it from Carcassonne. <sighs> I don't know. I don't want to get too much into like the whole... Anyway, the but point is, the we like la- Land vs. Sea. Yeah, but if you want the four-player land grab, Isle of Sky is a, is a great one <laughs> to go for. Yeah. All right, what else do we have here? We both played some Kids Chronicles Quest for the Moonstones. We did. We did. We did. We uh, were working on this review that we wanted to get out, and that was uh, last week. That was last week's review. Yeah. That was last week's review. And so we got a chance to sit down with Elliot, our little guy, and play some Kids Chronicles. Yeah. We have now, well, he has now done everything except the very last quest. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that's going to be interesting. This also seems much like Chronicles of Crime, like it could be very easily extended later on. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that it doesn't really need to be an expansion in the sense that you're on the same board or anything like that. I think maybe Nils, the moon cat, yes, uh, comes moon cat. along for the ride for the next game or whatever. But I just, I mean, I think that the engine is there. All the foundational pieces are there. Maybe there might be call outs. I could, I could know, see the, an expansion going game. either way, either a completely new game using the same mechanics, the mm-hmm. same ideas, or a cheap little expansion that's maybe a couple more cards and an update to the app. Yeah, well, and just a different story. Yeah. I mean, because... New the, stories know, the, the with the same and, characters. And the stuff yeah. is, is sufficiently generic to be able to accommodate for something like that. And, you know, we saw that with Chronicles of Crime. Right. There were both. There were kind of new missions or new crimes that you had to kind of seek out. But then there were also like larger expansions right. which made use of the foundational technology at play. So I will be at Gamma this coming week. And I am almost positive that Vince will be there from Lucky Duck. So I may be asking some questions about Kids Chronicles. I will say both the Kids Chronicles and the Sherlock Holmes graphic novel adventure, there is something really satisfying for kids about taking a interactive adventure like this and getting to the end of it and saying, oh, now I am done. Some kids, they're going to get to that point and just be like, what? No, there has to be more. But for a lot of kids, it gives a goal that they can reach and just be like, okay, I have now done the thing. Yeah. Is it going to be with Elliot and this last mission of Kids Chronicles? Is it going to be kind of like how we didn't watch the last episode of Firefly for two months because we knew it was the last one? (laughs) I mean, it might be. I also say this thinking about my own childhood where with computer games that had this, you know, done feel... I would go back and play them again from the beginning and enjoy the story all over again. Mm-hmm. But not every kid is going to do that. Sure. So, well, you're you're also the kind of person who rereads books a lot. That's which true. I find bizarre. <laughs> if I'm being transparent, so I think that sort of structure works well for different kinds of kids yeah. for different reasons. Right? No, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, last game on the list is Andor, the family fantasy game. 
this is a game we're gearing up for the review for this, hopefully coming out the same day as this podcast. It's in the same like Legend of Andor, uh, Reitberg kind of universe, but it is a it's not a rolling move. It's an action point movement yeah. game yeah. with some dynamic quest building. It's not really dynamic. It's it's uh, it's kind of kind of pre programmed pre programmed quest. You, you can randomly like pick from eight possible quests that you have to do along the way, and then there's a final quest that you have to do every single time which is so obnoxious but anyway uh so yeah we'll be talking about that a little bit more if you head over to thefamilygamers.com you should see the review for that that is andor the family fantasy game from cosmos all right and with that let's welcome the new members to our community and then we're going to take a break all right that sounds good all right so i will start off our welcoming by welcoming jackie to the family gamers community and I will welcome a uh, fellow reviewer and board game content creator, The Family Meeple. All right. We get four for the price of one on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to The Family Gamers community. We hope that you are enjoying your time in there, enjoying that little kitty who is absolutely trying to steal those dice. The kitty just wants to play Monopoly. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should head over to The Family Gamers community by going to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community. All right. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll do some back talk. And talk about five of our favorite fantastic filler games. You got it. We'll be right back. Cuphead and his pal Mugman, they like to roll the dice. And they'll be doing a lot of <laughs> dice rolling in this game. This is a snap review for Cuphead Fast Rolling Dice Game, designed by Pat Marino and published by The Op. Take on the role of Cuphead, Mugman, Ms. Chalice, or Elder Kettle. Roll your dice to fight bosses such as the Root Pack, Hildeberg, and Jimmy the Great. Jimmy the Great. <laughs> One to four players can play a session in about 20 minutes, and it's best for ages 12 and up. So, Andrew, let's talk about the art in this game. Oh, my gosh. The art is drawn almost line for line from the Cuphead video game. It borrows heavily from the rubber hose animation style of 100 years ago. Strong lines, exaggerated poses, and limited use of colors and shading. Other than the save sheets, everything is intentionally sepia-toned in the game, even the tokens and the dice. Oh, they look so good. I love this art style. Love it, love it, love it. But I love a lot of art styles. So let's talk about how to play Cuphead Fast Rolling Dice Game. There are eight boss deck boxes. Each one contains a set of cards, allowing you to battle that boss over at least three phases. <sighs> that guy we played last night, five phases? Really? Come on. Start with choosing a character, grab their player board, their dice, and some health tokens. Set up the boss character card, note their starting health depending on the player count, then shuffle the attack cards just for the current phase and set them next to the board. Reveal the first three attack cards and place them on the board. Reveal an extra if you get a wallop card. Then you set your timer. 20 seconds is the maximum. You can set it to 15 or even 10 seconds for more of a challenge. And start rolling. After a roll, you assign your dice to your player board from left to right, corresponding with the symbols needed to block the attack cards. Matching symbols eh, means you'll dodge attacks. You need to assign extra shoot symbols in order to actually do damage to the boss. But the black EX die can do extra damage. If you're satisfied with all your assignments so far, 
Reroll all the dice you haven't assigned yet and keep going. You've only got a couple of seconds. But you can never go back. You have to go from left to right. Once your time is up, resolve the boss attack cards in order from left to right and discard them. If the boss still has health remaining, reveal three more attack cards and do it again. It's time for another run. If you brought the boss's health down to zero though, the phase is done. Ignore any further attack cards <laughs> and set up the next phase of the boss. Once you've defeated all the phases for the boss, you reach the knockout card. Knockout! It's time to gain some rewards. You'll gain coins from a knockout that you can spend at Pork Rind's Emporium to buy upgrade cards, which is a very good idea to help you with future bosses. Yes, it is. <laughs> You'll also determine a letter grade for your performance, either using the app or a handy table that's in the rulebook. There are save sheets that let you record your letter grade and your coins and your progress through the eight boss decks. What did we expect from Cuphead Fast Rolling Dice well, Game? I loved this video game so much. It hit every note for me. So, of course, my first question was, like, whether or not they could figure out how to capture that crazy feel in the box. This is a game that my kids loved watching me play because it was insane. So how do you go from that frantic boss rush feel to a board game? Even a real-time game might not be frantic enough. You need huge bosses. You need super fast action. It should be hard. But not so hard that it feels impossible. <laughs> like the video game. <laughs> as soon as I opened the box and I saw the boss decks, I was excited because I knew they were going in the right direction. With the game knowledge in my back pocket, I was expecting frantic dice rolling mayhem. And we got that. We sure did. But Anitra, what surprised you about this game? So I love the style of Cuphead, but I would never play the video game. <laughs> it's just too hard. The dice game preserves the feel, but makes it something where I can work out a strategy beforehand before we start rolling. Once the timer starts, you're rolling and matching dice as quickly as possible, so it definitely keeps the frantic feel. We also realized pretty quickly you need to have discipline in your die rolling. You do not have time to let the dice bounce around. You absolutely need a dice tray or something like that for this game in order to kind of control these dice or be very, very careful with it, which is hard for small hands. Yes. Yeah. We weren't expecting a campaign feel with buying upgrades and leveling up and working through harder and harder bosses. It definitely keeps me interested in trying different approaches, though, and even possibly rerunning a few boss decks to get a few more coins to buy more upgrades <laughs> before trying the harder bosses again. So, Andrew, would we recommend the Cuphead fast rolling dice game? Well, it really depends on the player type, right? So this fast dice game, it captures the feel of the video game really, really well. If you love Cuphead or your kids do, this might be a little bit more approachable than the video game to play. It's still not a great choice for younger kids because they're not gonna have the speed required in rolling and matching. And it's a hard game even at the easy setting of 20 seconds. You could push this to a higher amount of seconds for your youngest players and have fun playing and matching the symbols, making it a little bit easier, mm -hmm. and then worry about bringing it back in scoring range when they're a little older, a little faster, and more ready. So the recommended age on this game of 12 plus is about right. If you love the Cuphead game like we do, mm. Or if you really like speed rolling. Which I didn't know I liked until I played this game. <laughs> then the game is an easy yes. But many families are going to be turned off by the discipline required and the relatively repetitive nature of the play here. But stop, Anitra. What are we going to rate Cuphead Fast Rolling Dice Game? Well, since we love Cuphead so much and this game preserves the feel so well, we're going to rate it four out of five wallops. 
And that's Cuphead in, in a, a snap. snap. And we're back. Hello, hello. We're going to start with our back talk. That's right. We don't take it from our kids, but we will take it from you. This is listener feedback in our back talk section. So Ken wrote us an email. I know. How old school. We appreciate old school, by the way. We do. Yeah. He was telling us we should have mentioned Raptor in our two-player battle games episode. So Raptor is an interesting game. I haven't actually played it, but I know about the game. And this is a game where it's an asymmetric game, kind of like a Skull Hollow or something like that, only I think a little bit less dramatic, where you have the people and then you have the raptor who is, I think, protecting her babies or something like that. Something to that effect. I almost want to say that this is like a, not a roll and write, but I think there's some writing involved on the boards or something. I, again, I don't really remember, but I have heard about this game and not really thought about it. But then when Ken mentioned it, I was like, oh yeah, I, I remember a lot of people really liked that. So um, that's something that maybe, you know, if I can conveniently get my hands on it maybe i'll i'll do that well and it sounds like uh either that or the unmatched jurassic park sets <laughs> i mean are, sure we have that are great choices for the kids or adult kids in your life who love dinosaurs i mean if we're gonna celebrate national dinosaur day or something which is some hallmark <laughs> holiday i'm sure <laughs> we'll have to get some of those out but, you know, we actually did have a, a bunch of thoughts in the Family Gamers community on two-player battle games. So keep in mind, every time we talk about one of these topics, we try to put a post in the community where other people can weigh in. And I think we're going to be a little more deliberate about pulling some of the commentary that comes out of there and mentioning it on the show. Joseph Reininger uh, suggested Dice Masters. There's Marvel Dice Masters and DC Dice Masters. And there's Couriers, which well, is Well, Couriers is kind of like where the, the kind whole of- thing kind of started the ancestor of yeah the, of yeah Dice it is Masters. a uh, so these games they're kind of like a deck builder kind of a game but well, with dice they're a bag building game with dice right and so they really like i talked about you know the whole establishing a genre thing like these yeah. are all abstractions off of the deck building genre that dominion established right? right so i mean yeah those games are super fun yeah 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 courtney white recommended Hogwarts Battle Defense Against the Dark Arts. That's the two-player dueling version of Hogwarts Battle from the op. And you know what happened to her? This happens to us sometimes where we'll recommend a game to someone and be like, hmm, I want to play that game. Mm-hmm. And so she actually followed up that comment with uh, with a couple pictures of them playing. Of like, and we played it today. Right, right. I actually have heard good things about that game as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a game. I actually think that Asher might have played this at a convention. Seems about at right. At the yeah. op booth or something yeah. like that. So... That's pretty cool. And then, of course, Rory O'Connor mentioned Prisma Arena. Prisma Arena is a fantastic game. This was one of our best game of the years from last year. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely a skirmish game. Like, we don't really think of it as a two-player skirmish game. I mean, it it totally can be. Yeah, but we played it just as much at three and four players, so Mm -hmm. we weren't really thinking about it in those terms of the head-to-head you know, one-on-one yeah. sort of feel. Yeah, so he's absolutely right. It is a <laughs> yeah. great game, and we love it a lot. It just kind of wasn't at the forefront of our mind because we were so laser-focused on two-player games. Mm-hmm. So. All right, so that is our backtalk. Thank you so much for that. Again, you can send us emails. You can comment in the Facebook community. You can reach out to us on social media in general. There's lots of different ways that you can get a hold of us. We'll go through all that stuff at the end of the show. But now it is time for us to get into our topic. Five fantastic family filler games. Absolutely fantastic. You want to get us started? Sure. 
I'm going to mention one where I feel like I'm beating the same drum for the last five years, and that is Quingo. So we put Quingo on this list because remember how we said before, like there's lots of different reasons why some of these things get on these lists. Uh, First of all, it is a fun, quick filler game, but it is a single die. It's a single die. There is almost no setup. It's rip off player sheets, one per person. And make sure everybody has something to write with. Yep. And this is one of those game right games with the kind of the flip top box open, mm-hmm. the magnetic seal nice uh, flip top box. So it's nice and small. It's compact. You can shove those golf pencils in there. Yep. It's just a really good game to be like, surprise, I brought a board game with us. And it can accommodate really any size family. You know, that's right. I mean, the difficult thing with Quingo is that you are trying to figure out sequencing and, and where to put numbers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it can be harder for the really young players in your family but i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because there's a lot of good numeracy skills that can be built here yeah it can be difficult not just younger but anybody who has some difficulty with numeracy sequencing and probability and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but you also affect the probability in an unusual way in quingo any other kind of die rolling game you're usually like okay well I might get any kind of number, but maybe I can at least get this color. Mm-hmm. Quingo is the exact opposite. The die has five colors and a wild on it. And when it's your turn to roll, you say the number you want for everybody to write down. And then you roll the die to tell people what column they need to put it in. And so the nice thing about that is that you actually can choose your number strategically mm-hmm. to potentially fit in the maximum possible places. Yeah, which exactly. It's good from a strategic perspective. And for kids, I mean, they might just look at one column and just be like, okay, well, I need a 55. I need, you know, this kind of number here. (laughs) And just hope they get the right thing. Yep. It's very approachable because of that, Mm -hmm. uh, though, even if it's a real challenge for some kids to catch up on the numbers, but they'll get better at it. But I mean, the core here, again, with it being a family filler game is even as a kid is trying to learn a game like this, there's only one thing for them to do. You know, yeah. it's not like they have to master a hand of cards or there's a couple different things going on. There's literally, you look at the die, you have a number, and that's it. Yep. And that exactly. is what makes it very, very good. Especially like, I don't know, if you're a mom with multiple kids that are asking you questions about the same game. What? <laughs> or dad. That never or dad. happens. And that is Quingo from Game Right. All right. So what are we going to talk about next? Uh, let's talk about another game with like really simple components, I think. And, uh, let's go with Similo. Okay. So Similo is a card game and it's cooperative. It can accommodate any number of players, you Mm -hmm. know, as few as two, but as many as you want. Mm -hmm. And it's another one of those where it takes some of the skills you might normally expect in a cooperative game and sort of turns them on their side. Well, I mean, the thing that I really, really like about Similo, first of all, is there's lots of different flavors of it now, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you can combine decks if you want to, you Mm -hmm. can mix them up, it doesn't really matter. But the thing I really like about Similo is that you can give clues in this game in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. So many different ways. You don't have to be a reader. You don't have to read the extra notes on the sides of the cards to Mm -hmm. give you clues and hints and whatever. You can literally try to explain matches or not matches or whatever, whatever you would call them by things like the color of the background of the card. The color of the background or which way the characters are facing on the card or Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. Similo also teaches some really important lessons in knowing your audience. Yes. When we pulled out the myths 
deck recently. <laughs> Our son Asher, who has gotten really, really into Greek mythology, was making these like really deep cut clues in his head that none of the rest of us were right. picking up on because we just don't know as much about Greek mythology as he does. And it was awesome to hear him talk about it. Yeah. But we had no idea what it was. Yeah. And it both gave him an opportunity to explain all of this cool knowledge that he has, but also to realize if I want to win the game together, I need to dial it back. Right. I, I just think that it's such a clever game. You know, Simlo is one of those games where you play it and you're like, man, how did something this simple not already exist? How did it take so long yeah, to exactly, exactly. have a place in the world? And there have been other games that have a lot of similarities to this one. I mean, you know, this is very much like the multiple player kind of guess who kind of cooperative game, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot of the same threads going through this as a game like guess who, but it feels so much less derivative, I guess. I mean, it's got similar skills to a guess who or a code names where you're giving a clue and interpreting a clue. Yeah, but code names has um, teams and there's, you know, different I mean, there's code like names that. duet that's not teams, but I, I, yeah, but yeah. But, yeah, yeah, that's not. But there's just something about Similo that strips all of that extra stuff out, including the need to be able to read. Yeah, and absolutely. makes this game that is as deep as you want it to be for your family. And unlike any of those other games that we listed, this is literally a deck of cards. Yeah, it definitely takes up some space while you're playing it, but it's very portable. All right. So that is Similo from Horrible Guild Luma Imports. All right. I'm going to talk about another one that is spacious, but portable. <laughs> okay. And that's Bananagrams. Who doesn't love Bananagrams? This is a classic for a reason, and I am sad now that it took me so far into my parenting journey to try it for the first time. <laughs> and who doesn't have room to carry a banana around? I mean, really. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so Bananagrams is this word-building, grid-building game. It takes the same sort of, like, make the words and fit them together skills that you might associate with, like, a Scrabble. I mean, the tiles look exactly they like look Scrabble. They look like Scrabble tiles. Like, there's a yes. lot of similarity between this and Scrabble. Except there's not, because Scrabble at its core, is actually an area control game. Okay. I, I don't want to get into game theory I know, I know. <laughs> but Bananagrams is not. Bananagrams, you're never penalized for saying, oh, you know what? That doesn't fit, or I need to add this extra letter. I'm going to move stuff out and move it around and make new words and make it fit in different ways. That's part of the game. Mm -hmm. Bananagrams can also be played according to the level of the people you're playing it with in a way that something like Scrabble can't so much. Yes, in theory, it's a real-time game. You're all racing to put your stuff together as quickly as possible, and you you know yell out split, I think it is. When, Something like that. When you need to grab more tiles, and then everybody has to grab more tiles at the same time. But really, at its heart, it's still just put words together, make it all fit in a grid. And this is a great game once your kids have a pretty decent spelling vocabulary, is what I'll call it. Sure. The first time we played it, our youngest was just starting to read, and he was adamant that he could play on his own. <laughs> it was tough. He's also very obstinate in yes, general. Yes, he is. <laughs> but, obstinate, a good word for Scrabble. <laughs> but we were willing to kind of ease him into it and, you know, help him a little bit with words and show him, oh, you know what? that letter doesn't fit there, you know, or that's not how you spell that word, but how about we do this instead? And so with just a little bit of coaxing from the outside, he did fine. Mm -hmm. Bananagrams is another one of those games that people sometimes talk about, like, 
oh, what's a game I could play not on a flat table? You know, either at a picnic or anywhere else where maybe I have room, but it's just not this perfect board gaming surface. And Bananagrams is great for that because those tiles are super sturdy. Yeah, they're little pieces of wood. I mean, I would probably put like a blanket down before you, you know, tried to play Bananagrams like on a lawn or something like that. Yeah, on a lawn would be hard, but like on the beach, sure. Probably. Yeah, Yeah. it'd be okay. That's to shake it out when you're done. (laughs) Yes, you would. (laughs) So that's Bananagrams from the Bananagrams company yep that's the name of the company that's great (laughs) all right uh oh my goodness we have two more both of these are really really great games i'm gonna go with the other game right game on our list okay and that is abandon all artichokes so i love this game it's really good love it love it love it love it yeah it's really good maybe it should be the 10th game on our 10 by 10 maybe yeah i think abandon all artichokes should be used to introduce people to deck building games. Yeah, it's a deck wrecking game. They call it. it is because instead of you are building up your deck, but also pulling out all of the artichokes at the same time, mm-hmm. and it's kind of easier to understand the idea of oh hey I want to I want to be able to draw a hand that's all vegetables and no artichokes rather than a oh well I need to reach this point threshold. Yeah, because nobody whatever. likes a raw artichoke. You put it in artichoke dip. That's how you eat artichokes. I know. Everybody right? knows that. Come on. <laughs> the artichokes look so like cute and sad like, on the why? cards. Why? Why are you getting rid of me? I'm so sad. <laughs> but it's cute. Once again, this is a card game. So yes, it comes in a cute little game right tin, which is annoying as I'll get out. But yeah, cute. I, where I don't. Um, mm, yeah, I just can we please just have uniform cardboard boxes? Like, <laughs> is that so hard to ask board game people? But other than the weird tin, it's another one of those games that it's. A deck of cards. It's something like, I don't know, 60, 70 cards in all. And it's another one of those that's simple to get set up, start playing, and a game takes maybe 15 minutes. And, I mean, it supports, I think, two to four or five players, something like that. So it does flex a little bit. It's really fun. I would love to play it with more than four players, but you would need two copies of the game. Mm -hmm. Well, fortunately, it's a game right game, so they're inexpensive, and you could totally play it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So that is four... Of our five fantastic family filler favorites. And uh, I think we kind of knew that we were going to be saving the fifth one (laughs) to be number five. And that is from Haba. And that game is Fiverr Findin'. Fiverr Findin', our fifth fantastic family filler game. All right. Friedman (laughs) Freeze would be so proud. (laughs) Except he didn't design it. Sorry. Friedman Freeze would be freaking out. Something like Uh, that. Yeah. Okay. Fiverr Findin' is this really, I mean, just absolutely fantastic. I guess it's a roll and write. It's a roll and write. Roll and write game from Haba that we get destroyed at on the reg by our 13-year-old. Roll and find? Maybe? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So... So Fiverr Findin' is this great roll and write from Haba where one player will roll four dice and they have symbols on them. And there are all these different kinds of shapes and you have a grid of of symbols in front of you and you need to find those shapes using the icons that have been rolled and outline them on your player board board grid thing faster than everybody else. You want to do it faster, but even more important than fast is that there's different point values yeah, for some the, of the different shapes are more kinds of shapes than other shapes. Yeah. And so the you more, want the more complicated. The more complicated shapes are worth more points. So you're trying to get five shapes and they all have to be different. They all have to be different shapes. Which is just torturous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is another game that 
plays really fast. Each round only takes a couple of minutes. The entire game is going to take you less than half an hour. Yep. And it's quite portable, although it is the largest box on our list here. It's still very portable. It's like the size of two paperback books. Like, it's not big. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely deliberately making the decision to bring that game with you. because yeah. It's not something that you just have in your purse all the time <laughs> or, you know, sh- you can shove in your back pocket. But it's not a huge game or anything like that. This is one of the filler games of choice for our teenager. Because she destroys us. Probably mostly because she destroys us. 100% because she destroys us. <laughs> she used to love abandoned all artichokes. She still enjoys that, but not as much as Fiber Finding. This, once again, is a kind of game where you don't need a large flat surface. You do need a place to roll the dice. Mm-hmm. And there's a sort of central scoreboard that gets used. But that's a dry erase board. And then each player has a dry erase board. Yeah. And they're they're thick. So you could yeah. hold it in your so hand, you it and, in your hand. And, and look at stuff and try to find things. So that's really great in a restaurant environment or even like, you know, when you're waiting for a plane or something. You know what I mean? Because you only need a small common area. So you could play this in a car. Well, like a minivan. You could play in a car with two players, I mm-hmm. would say. I would think the difficulty in a vehicle would be being able to see the, see the symbols dice. that were yeah. rolled there. But it's a very clever, good game yeah. from Haba. And that is Fiverr Finding. So I think all of these games make great choices for families to play when you don't have a lot of time, but you're okay with using your brain a little bit. These are not empty filler games. These are games that will make you think and make your kids think and grow their skills. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, there's different things in here that might appeal to one person or another. And that's why we didn't rank these. Yeah. Because we they're not, you know, five to one or anything like that. These games all have different aspects that might appeal to different people. So those are five fantastic family filler favorites from The Family Gamers. We do have reviews for four out of these five games. On the Family Gamers website. That's right. Everybody knows about Bananagrams, so I review Bananagrams. I mean, Bananagrams (laughs) is what it is. I've spoken highly of it before, but we've never reviewed it. The other four all have reviews on the Family Gamers website, and we will link to them in the show notes. All right. Now that we know how to properly format our show notes. Yes. (laughs) All right, but we are sure there are other family filler games that your family loves and we would love for you to talk about them and we can maybe bring them up on next week's show or the show after that or something like that. I mean, we have them too. We just tried to limit it to five for this time. We actually limited it to five. We did. We did. So there's lots of different ways that you can reach out to us and tell us about those. The easiest way, and I've mentioned it before, is to go to the Family Gamers community. You can head over to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community. It'll bring you right into the Facebook community. If you're not a member of the community, join the community. Anitra will give you a very cute gif to say welcome. And we'll call you out on the next show. Absolutely. Where else can people find us on social media, Anitra? Well, if you don't like Facebook, you can also find us on Twitter and occasionally on Instagram and TikTok. Mm-hmm. You can also find us on YouTube. That's where you can find our snap reviews, youtube.com forward slash The Family Gamers. All of the other social media were at Family Gamers AA. You can email us, as we mentioned before, Anitra at TheFamilyGamers.com. And Andrew at TheFamilyGamers.com. Uh, we uploaded a new design to our merch site that was designed by our 13-year-old. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. If you like board games and video games both and you want to show your love that a balanced family game night can have both. (laughs) You will like this. So head over to thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch to check that out. 
Please don't forget to subscribe to the show, tell your friends about the show, and leave us a review at Apple Podcast or whatever your podcast subscription source is. The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. You can go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much to First Move for sponsoring this episode of the show. So, Anitra, next week, I am going to be at Gamma. Yes, you are. Our interview show is going to be, I'm going to say right now, the audio quality is probably not going to be that great. I mean, phone, it's going to be phone audio quality. It's probably fine. laptop audio quality. Yeah. I don't know. On hotel internet. But I will have Mark Spector from the Grand Gamers Guild. We're going to talk about some of what we saw at Gamma. We're, we're, we're going to be roomies. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. But that's going to be an absolute blast. I'm really looking forward to this. This is a trade show convention, which is different from a consumer convention. So um, it's just going to have a different feel to it, I think. And um, I'm really... Uh, I'm really interested in how it's going to go. People who are serious about the business of board games. Yeah, like yeah. me. Not sure serious is the term I would use. They have game <laughs> nights, though. So, like, I might, well, be able to, I might be able to keep my streak or oh, whatever. Not my streak, but my pace. My, I might be able to keep my pace. All right. Maybe. So, you know, we'll try our best. But it's going to be really, really interesting. I'm flying out Tuesday night. I'm flying back on a red eye Friday night. I'm going to be a mess. It's going to be wonderful. I apologize in advance for the quality (laughs) of the show next week, but we are going to have a show. And this is a bullseye. Well, until then, play play games games with your kids. kids.